Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's dive into our series right now. Brother Sasha, if you wouldn't mind bringing that pulpit, I'd greatly appreciate it. But we're going to dive into our series. We've been in this series called How to Raise G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. How to Raise G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. How many have been, how many have been learning and growing and just getting stuff from this series? I hope that, thank you so much, I hope that it has blessed you, and um, you know, last week we took a pivot, the first three weeks, um, uh, I was giving you like real practical handles, and last week we kind of got a little Pentecostal with it, so we're kind of in that flow now, but we're in the book of Daniel, and um, I want to continue on with that thought, the reason we're in Daniel is because we got four Hebrew boys that were thriving even in Babylon, and we talked about Babylon being really a, a spirit that is still alive in the world today. The spirit of Babylon compels the kingdoms of this world to go against the kingdoms of God. And so anytime you see this in in work, it's because the spirit of Babylon is alive and well. But we trust the plans of God. We lean into his word and we lean into his plans for us. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 8 through 16. Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 16. And it reads as follows. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. But Daniel said to the guard who the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So the official agreed and he tested these four Hebrew boys for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier, better nourished, than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables instead. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, the consumption crisis. The consumption crisis. Let's one more time. Let's just pray real quick for the hearing of God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you bless us as we hear your word. Your word is anointed. I pray, God, that you would cover me and allow me to speak with your anointing and the authority that's already found in your word. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. You know, in 2020, the world was shifting, the world was changing, and research never stopped. I I love getting stats and research and hearing what's going on in the world. And uh, there was a, a survey that found that in the middle of all of that crisis, some of the people that were the most content through it all were people in their 60s. Shout out for all the people in their 60s. You know what I mean? It's like they were just like content. And, 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 and the reason I think they were able to go through all of that is because they've just lived long enough to have seen this circus show before. But like, like the older you get, the more you've just been through some stuff. Now, now I'm not in my 60s. I am in my 40s. I am 41 years old, about to be 42. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've been seeing stuff happen with the housing market. 
And because I lived through 2008, I'm like, I've seen this rodeo before. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like this ain't my first housing crisis. And again, if people in their 60s, they're probably like, listen, man, I lived through the 80s. Did you see what the interest rates were in the 80s? Uh, some people in the room were like, no, like 18%, okay? Try taking a home loan on 18% interest rate. I know y'all like not used to that, but that's what it was in the 80s. It was insane. So people in their 60s were like, listen, I know it's bad, but I've been through this stuff before. So they happened to be the most content, even though all kinds of mess was happening in the world. Now, now, shout out to the 60-year-olds. But, but, but as great as it is to have that sort of contentment the older you get, there's also a challenge that happens. There's some, there's some challenges that happens the older you get, particularly with your diet. How I many you know that the older you get, you can't eat like you used to eat when you were in junior high? Right. All of a sudden, it's like, you see, I love milk, but milk don't love me. <laughs> I cannot drink milk. I have made, thank God for oat milk, amen. I was on almond milk, and that was just terrible. And then they rolled out some oat, and I'm like, we can do this. We can do this. I mean, Samuel can't eat cheese no more because your body was like, no more. You know, you know one of the terrible things that happened to me when I turned 30? I don't know what it was, but the minute I turned 30, it's just like my body said, you ain't having shellfish no more. I developed a shellfish allergy. Now people are like, you don't like lobster? I loved lobster. I loved shrimp. I loved all that. But my body said no more. Things just began to change with our diets. And here in the story, funnily enough, we're, we're reading about that, where the, there are four Hebrew boys that made a decision on what they would and would not consume anymore. They, they, they had to make a choice as to what they would and would not eat as they were in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. So let's get back to the text. We got Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, and they are living in Babylon, but they have to make a choice about what they're consuming because what was happening in that time was they would give them the king's meat and the king's wine, and they would say, this is your food. Now, I know these four boys weren't foodies, you know what I mean? Because how many know a foodie would have just taken that? They're like, this is the best food and the best wine. I am in on this. But, but what they knew was that the meat that they were being served had previously been offered in idol worship to other gods. And so the meat that they were being fed was meat that had been a part of idol worship. And that was against their laws. That was against their beliefs. That was against their convictions. So they told their official, listen, we ain't going to eat that. We're, we're not going to drink that. We're not going to do that. And that's where this official began to tell them, I can't have you guys looking scrawny. I can't have you guys looking skinny. You guys have to eat what we're feeding you. So they cut a deal with the official. They say, listen, listen, how about... For 10 days, you put us on a vegetarian diet. Now, you know they love the Lord if they were willing to go on a vegan diet for 10 days. That, that's a lot of love right there. Where are my meat eaters? Where are my carnivores in the tent today? Yeah, you ain't death before vegan, right? It's like, no way. Give me meat or give me death. Anyway, uh, but these boys had to make a choice on what they would consume. Somebody say consume. I, I heard it. I, I've heard it say this way. Have you ever heard the saying, "You are what you eat"? How I many? There's a lot of truth to that, right? You, you are what you eat. Someone said one time, "You can't have a million-dollar body eating off the dollar menu." I didn't like that very much. I didn't just. I was like, "The devil is a liar." But how many know the older you get, you can't be living off that dollar menu at Jack in the Box no more? You just can't. You just can't do it no more. 
And in the same way in the natural, I believe there's a spiritual application. Write this down if you're taking notes. You are what you consume. You are what you consume. Now I'm talking about the shows that you are consuming. I'm talking about the movies that you are consuming. I'm talking about the music that you are consuming. I'm talking about the friends that you run with. That's what you are consuming. Now let me bring you to the 2022 because I sound like a 1980s preacher. The influencers that you follow. The social media accounts that you follow. The bloggers that you follow. Listen, you are what you consume. And and many of you have taken in a steady diet of those things without asking yourself the question, is what I am consuming making me more like Jesus? Because here's the deal. Write this down. What we consume is either making us more like Jesus or it's making us more like the world. There's no middle ground there, church. What you are consuming is either making you more like Jesus or it's making you more like the world. So let me ask you again, what are you consuming. Let me tell you a quick story. We had heart and soul last year. How many like it when we do heart and soul here at Lighthouse Church? It's just one of the things we do every year, share the vision of the church, talk about all of the wins, and it's always a party. So we're having a good time. Well, out there on the lawn, this, if you can remember la- last, last uh, December, out there on the lawn, Ms. Jerry, she comes to the 9.30 a.m. service, Ms. Jerry baked just, just platters of cookies, and she set them out, just delicious cookies. She, she crushed it. And now my son, Judy's eight years old. He loves cookies. Jude loves cookies. And, and so he heard there was cookies out there on the lawn, so my son runs up and just grabs a cookie. Now, thing about my son is he's also got a peanut allergy. He's allergic to peanuts. Now, my son is too short to really look at what he's doing. He definitely didn't ask what he was doing, but he just reached his little hand up, grabbed a cookie off the table, and shoved it in his mouth. Well, what kind of cookie do you think he ate? The peanut butter cookie, of course. So next thing you know, he's hurling in the, in the bushes over there, like he, he, vomiting in the bushes. It would be the pastor's son to be throwing up in the bushes, like, <laughs> wouldn't it, right? And he's having this Allergic reaction, my wife's like, I gotta go, we gotta get him home. She gets him home, she puts him in the tub, he's getting red, he's getting all swollen, we just like pumping him, we're like feeding him Benadryl, like just take it, take it, you're right. We're just trying to calm this kid down. And, and for the rest of the night, we had to make a decision, like are we gonna be able to take care of this or do we gotta get him to the emergency room? How bad is it going to be? Now, now thankfully he made it through the night, but, but here's the thing, in the same way that my son consumed a cookie without asking the question, should I be consuming this, the world is putting things in front of you and you're consuming it without even asking the question is this good for me you're not even asking the question will this make me more like jesus you're not asking yourself the question will this cause me to compromise my convictions and if you are not careful you will find yourself consuming something placed in front of you on social media something placed in front of you because of the friends that you run with something placed in front of you because of what you were watching and you're going to find yourself spiritually sick because you ate the world's cookies you're going to find yourself spiritually sick because you ate the world's cookies you have to be mindful of what you are consuming not too long ago i got a phone call i was at the church offices and got a phone call I said pastor we need you to come to our house and pray for our house well what's wrong with your house is, is like Peter says, is it is what it is? A problem with the foundation or what? No, no, no. There's, there's like bad energy in my house, Pastor. There's, there's like a, a bad vibe. There's like, there's like bad spirits in my house. I said, okay. So, so off I went. I grabbed my Bible. I grabbed oil. I got some garlic, some silver bullets, a cross, and uh, <laughs> walked in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
I'm just kidding. That's a bad 90s sitcom reference. I took my oil in my Bible, okay? <laughs> and we go in there. So I go into the man's house. I start reading the Bible to him. We start praying. I'm putting oil on the doorways. And we're just praying for his house. Just praying for, for all of that negative energy to just be gone. We're just praying, right? Just praying. And then we're done. And I'm sitting down with him. And I start asking him, what, why, you know, what's going on? Like, you feel like there's something negative going on here. Just tell me what's going on in this house. And then he got a little twinkle in his eyes. Oh, pastor, I love watching horror movies. I like to watch The Exorcist, Poltergeist, Chucky, Friday the 13th, The Chainsaw Massacre, all of that stuff. Like the guy's love language was horror films, you know? And in that moment, I went from being nice pastor to mean pastor. Like at first I was like Jesus holding a lamb to Jesus flipping over tables, you know? I was, I was so so upset with him. And I looked at him and I said, hold on a second. I said, don't you dare watch another horror movie in this house again. The reason you are feeling bad spirits in this house is because you've opened up your door and you've let them in. That's the only reason you're feeling all of this. And I told him, I said, if you watch a movie like that again and you feel a bad spirit, I ain't coming back no more. I told him just like that. I said, I am not coming back, all right? Because we're done. I bless this house. I'm not coming back again. I'm a pastor, not a ghostbuster, all right? So we're not <laughs> doing this again. Got to be careful with what you are watching. And, and in all seriousness, here's the deal. You've got to make a choice, Lighthouse, who you're going to serve. You can't be playing with the devil all week and then wonder why God's blessing is not over your home. You can't be messing with the devil all week and then wonder why it feels like the favor of God isn't over your life. You have got to make a decision, just like I said last week. Choose ye this day whom you're going to serve, because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to lean into God's word. As for me and my house, we're going to lean into the promises of God. And we ain't messing with the world, with the spirit of Babylon, and what this world is trying to give us. So, so when, when, when do you start taking a stand? Tell your neighbor right now. Here's the thing about convictions. Write this down. Your convictions are made in private before they are known or experienced in public. You don't decide to make a conviction when you're already with your friend. Everyone's getting high around you and you're like, no, 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 I don't do that. Well, what are you doing with them? You know what I'm saying? It's like, like you have got to make a decision now that you're not going to run with the crowd that's going to be doing that stuff to their body. You've got to make a decision right now that you're not going to go and do those things. Don't wait till you are in the moment to make a decision. You've got to make a decision now. You make a conviction now. And then you already decide what you will consume. Because here's the deal. If you don't decide, the world will decide for you. The world will decide for you. Scratch that. The world has already decided for you. Yeah. The, the world has already decided what they are going to feed people who just eat any old cookies that's placed in front of them without asking the question. Social media has already made a choice. Big tech has already made a choice. Culture has already made a choice. Influencers have already made a choice. And they've all decided we're going to push the spirit of Babylon. But where are the Jesus followers who will push back and serve notice on this world, push back and serve notice on the spirit of Babylon and remind him we serve a God who is greater, who has a name that is higher. We belong to a church that's unstoppable. We are filled with the spirit of God and it's powerful and we are citizens of a kingdom that will not end. That's who we are. That's what we stand with and that's what we align with. You, you've got to make that decision for you because everything, 
everything is going sideways with values and, and culture, and you've got to make a decision now because the world is making decisions for you. I mean, uh, you don't just you can just do your own research on this, but even companies that were known for being family companies are starting to push an agenda that's really against your values. Those of you that are saying, I am a Jesus follower, they're pushing an agenda that goes totally contrary to the word of God. And there really isn't a gray area. You're either going to stand on the word or you're going to stand with Babylon. I mean, th there's a show out there. Just look it up. Mom and dad, vet it out. Call Little Demon. And, 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 and this show is on Disney FX. And it is all about a woman being pregnant by by, by by Satan and their child is the Antichrist and this is on Disney so you this is what's being fed to your children and so moms and dads if you do not lean into what your children are consuming this world is happy to feed your children for you this world is happy to put some of their meat and their wine in front of your kids and if you are not careful like I said last week you will not rep, you will not recognize the child that you raised because you allowed someone else to come help you raise your child and you didn't vet what was being put in front of them. So let's go back to our text. What the boys did, the boys said, we're going to be separate. We're not going to do this. We're, we're just not going to eat that meat. We're not going to drink that wine. We're not going to do this. We're going to go on a strictly vegetable diet. What they were doing was something called holiness. Everybody say holiness. I want to talk about this because holiness has fallen on hard times in the church. And, and the reason it's fallen on hard times in the church is there's been a lot of churches that taught that holiness was a dress code. They taught holiness as in behavior modification. And, 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 and there's been churches that have really, you know, pushed this type of doctrine. And what it led to was a bunch of self-righteous people who thought that their works could save them, who thought that... They could add, watch this now, to what God already did. But, but here's the theological error in all of that. When Jesus went to the cross and he died, one of the last things he said was, it is finished. What does that mean? It is finished. That, that's exactly what it means. It means there's nothing else that you can do to add to what he has already done for you. So holiness, correct, when you contextualize holiness and, and we give it, we, we, we run it through the filter of all of scripture, here's what holiness really is all about. It's what we do and how we live in response to what he's already done. Do you see the difference there? Your behavior can't add to what he's already done, but, but it's a response that you live through. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a way that you carry yourself out of what he's already done. So holiness won't save you, but why? I want you to watch this. Holiness does move the heart of God. Holiness does move the heart of God because here's what happened. Daniel and the other Hebrew boys said, we will not eat that. And because of that, here's, because they made that decision in that moment that they were not going to do that, the Bible says that God caused the heart of the official to give them favor and compassion. Everybody say God caused. So when you live a life of holiness, really separating yourself from the, the, the spirit of Babylon and the agenda of this world, when you, when you separate yourself for really the exclusive use of Christ, the exclusive use of God's purpose, when you do that, you're going to continue to see the favor of God over your life. Because once these boys said, hey, we're not going to do that, then God turned the heart of the official. That's what God does. 
That, that, that's what God does. That's the favor of God, that he will turn the heart of the official and it's going to, and, and now that official wanted to, now, now he treated them with favor and he treated them with compassion. But who did it? God did it. So, so, so holiness will still cause you to tug at the heart of God and to move things in your life. Um, just this past Friday, you guys know I got three boys, okay? And I don't know what it is about having three boys, but we attract more neighborhood boys that want to come play at our house. And so my, my son Jude, he's eight years old, and he has a life now. How many kids had their lives like a little too early to be having their own life? So, so I pick up Jude from school, and Jude says to me, Dad, I, I, I want Cannon to come to my football game, and then he's going to spend the night. I think that's a good idea. I've invited him. I said, okay, son, well, l- let me talk to your mother, and let's see what she's got to say about that. Okay, Dad. No more than 30 minutes goes by, I get a text from Cannon's mom. She goes, hey, Josh, sounds like the boys made plans. I'm like that. What? <laughs> I ain't even talked to my wife yet. So before I could reply to her, I text my wife. I said, Joanna, Cannon wants to come. Football game, spend the night. What do you think? And she says, check his, check his homework and see how he's doing. I had already checked the homework. I hadn't put two and two together yet. That's why the women are like the much better half of it. So, so like he had crushed his tests that week. He got a 16 out of 15 on his test. So he got the A++. I'm like, how'd you get a 16 out of 15? He goes, I got the extra credit right, Dad. And, and so what do you think our answer was? Of course, Cannon can come over because you have demonstrated the good behavior that makes me want to reward you. So no, your holiness doesn't save you, but it demonstrates and it tugs at the heart of the Father that he's going to want to do good in your life. He's going to want to pour out favor in your life. He's going to want to pour out blessings in your life because you're walking in alignment with his word and you're walking in alignment with his values. And so I I love this because when you understand that my holiness really is living in response to what he's already done, you're walking in what is called the newness of life. Everybody say newness. When you have received God's love, here's what should happen. In response to what you've received from God, you're not going to want to go to some places you used to go to. When you receive God's love, you're not going to watch some things you used to watch before your new life kicked in. You're not going to want to go and do certain things with certain people. You're not going to talk in a certain way the way that you used to talk. You're not going to go and put yourself in circles that you, ha- you have no business being in. Why? Because you've received good things from your heavenly father. You've been saved by his grace and you're walking in the newness of life and you're making a decision. I'm no longer going there anymore. So let me take you back to the text. Go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 17 through 20. These four young men, this is what God said. So they made a decision. We're not going to do that. They were testing. They're being tested by the official. It said to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and listen to what he says, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered into the king's service. I love this last part. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. They chose to honor God, and I'm coming to a close now. They chose to honor God. They chose to separate themselves r- really from, from a good place, not a self-righteous place. But, but, but hey, we can't 
defile ourselves with this food because of the God that we serve and our love from. Hey, everyone else, they can do what they want to do. We ain't judging them. But, but as for us, we, we can't do this. We can't do this. And when they did that, God lifted them up. And Lighthouse, in the same way, you're going to make some choices that are not culturally popular when you make them, but when you stand on the word of God and when you stand on the promises of God, how many of you know that he will never, ever fail you? Come on, clap your hands if you know that to be true. When you stand on his word and when you stand on his promises, he will never, ever fail you. This is what I love about God. He will open up doors for you that cannot be closed. He, he will make a way when there is no way. He will lift you up even when man tries to bring you down. It, here's Daniel could have caved and just said, okay, we're going we're gonna to eat the meat and have the wine and all of that. But do you want to know the problem with all of that? It is now the official that was in charge of him, if Daniel is promoted, that official would think, I did a good job with this guy. I mean, look at, look at how he's excelling. It's because of me. I, I did a great job with these four Hebrew boys. But when they pushed back, that official feared for his own life. Remember what we read? He said, the king will kill me if you don't eat this. And they said, just give us 10 days. And I love that because when the 10 days were up, that official knew that it had to be God. That official knew that it had to be God. And this is why you've got to surrender your life to his word, surrender your life to his ways. Because when God lifts you up, I love this, write this down. If man lifts you up, man can bring you down. But if God lifts you up, no man can bring you down. No man can bring, if God is the one who lifts you up, if, if, if God lifts you up against all odds, against cultural popularity, against what the world is trying to shove down your throats. When, when, when you let God raise you up, no man can bring you down. This is why, this is why we choose God first. Somebody say God first. I'm going to close with this last passage of scripture. Now we're going to go to Jesus when he's 12 years old. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 2 that when Jesus was 12 years old, his family came to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. That was their custom every single year. But at 12 years old, when his family came and they were all having fun celebrating the feast of the Passover, Jesus stayed in the temple. He, just, he stayed in the temple. He didn't let the festivities kind of swallow up the moment. He wanted to be in the temple discussing the scriptures with the religious leaders and the doctors and the lawyers. He wanted to be in the temple really at his father's feet while everyone else was surrounded by the festivities he prioritized aligning himself with really the main reason for the Passover and the Bible says that his parents they got caught up in the festivities they forgot that Jesus was even there they left they started going back home and they realized oh we forgot Jesus they come back to Jerusalem and they find Jesus where in the temple and his mom's like freaking out I'm kind of paraphrasing this. She's like, how could you do this to us? Your mother and father, we were looking for you. We were going crazy looking for you. And I, I love how Jesus responds back to his mom. He's like, mom, don't you know I must be about my father's business? She looked over at Joseph. He's like, he's talking about his other daddy, not me. It's not, not me, his other daddy, his other daddy. And, 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 the, and the Bible says that his mom really didn't even know how to respond to that. So this is where this, this scripture picks up right here. It says, then Jesus went back home with Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mom, she remembered all of these things in her heart. 
But I love this last part. And Jesus grew in wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And stature. Everybody say stature. And in favor with God and with man. And in favor with God and with man. I I can't tell you the amount of times I've had to make a hard decision and I put God above all these other choices that I could have made. And, And I've seen when I honored God time after time after time he would open up doors in my life and I would get and I knew I I was doing something that was pleasing unto God but in time I I began to see an increase among men as well I began to see like like, like, I shared with you my career before I left my job and came to the church it it, it was a, a fast track in my career I, mean, I worked for this one company for a month and a half and a year and a half and then I got a call from another company I, I didn't even apply, it was just a phone call they're like, we want you to come work for us we've already heard about you your reputation's already preceding you I didn't fill out no application but, but I was trying to please God and in my attempt to please God He opened up doors even with men in, in my attempt to honor God He opened up doors with men as well I'll never forget getting to that company and just time after time after time being put in situations where I had to make a choice and always choosing to honor God always choosing to honor God always placing God first now mom and dad come on up we've got you've got to find a way to teach this to your children you start by living it mom and dad but then you instill this into your children as well this is what we do because we are children of God this is who we are because we, we've been saved by his great love. This is what we do. We don't go here and we don't do that. We, we don't condemn the people that do. And we ain't talking to people about the people that don't do that. They are on a journey. God is sovereign. He's going to reach them in his time. But as for me, as for my house, we're going to make a decision to serve the Lord. We're going to make a decision to honor our bodies. We're going to make a decision to honor God with our actions. We're going to make a decision to honor God with what we put our hands to do. In everything that we do, we are going to make a decision to honor God. I'm telling you, Lighthouse, what you do that, when you do that, when, when you are consuming the right things and, and living from that right place, you're going to see God do things in your life that no man can rationalize. They'll just say, and they'll know that it had to be God in their life. It just had to be God's presence in their life. Let me lead you in a prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads right there where you're at? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that is here right now. God, I pray that you would give them strength. Every year that we are here on this earth, it's going to be a progressive challenge to live for you. The culture is going sideways. Things that were once wrong are now right. Truly, like your word said, everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. Moral relativism, people living their own truth, even when it's directly against your word. God, we just need your spirit in us. We need your spirit in us to push back against the spirit of Babylon. We need your spirit in us to push back against the temptation. We need you in us, Father. We need you in us, Father. Give us strength. Give us wisdom, Lord God. Give us a discerning spirit, Lord. 
to know when it is you and know when it is the world. Help us to see, help us to live this so that in turn, we can lead our children in this life as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just share this last thing with you. You know, if anyone has ever, again, this is a natural example, but if anyone has ever been like on a diet, you're like just trying to get healthy again, how many of you know you just can't start cutting food out? Like that that's not it. What you're really supposed to do is make a change with what you're consuming. So, so it's not about just cutting out junk food, but it's are you eating good stuff? It's about putting the right stuff in you. And, and, and when we start talking about the consumption crisis, I don't want any of you walking out of here with, well, passages say we can't be doing this, can't be doing that. You've missed the whole point. What you really need to do is make sure you are consuming the right stuff. Because the more you consume the right things, the less of a desire you're going to have to consume the wrong things. And again, I grew up just being taught behavior modification. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Got it. Yes, sir. But, but no one really turned me on to the importance of getting up at 5.30 in the morning and getting in my Bible. No one really turned me on to the importance of making my conversation with God the first conversation I have that day. Nobody really turned me on to study and devotion to the Word of God. Nobody really turned me on to service in the house of God. Nobody really turned me on. All of that was obligation and never delight. And so Lighthouse, the last thing I want to leave you with is don't just be so consumed about what you're not doing, but ask yourself, what am I consuming? Because the same way consumption can lead you into crisis, consumption can lead you into so much constructive things if we would just consume the right things. So I just pray, my last thing that I leave you with, I just pray that you would be consumed with good things, that you would be consumed with God's word, that you would be consumed with God's truth, that you would be consumed with God's house, that you would be consumed with worship, that you would be consumed with praise, that you would be a life that is consuming prayer, that you would consume the good things of God. And when you do that, you're going to see God do incredible things in your life. Come on, let's stand up on our feet right now. Let's go into worship together, but let's sing about it now. We've been hearing about it, but let's just make a declaration. Let's raise our hands and sing that we're going to build on the firm foundation this morning. Come on, let's build our life on his foundation together. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.